0: Welcome to the Foster and Change Podcast, season three. I'm Rob Shear, the founder of Comfort Cases, and your host. Together, we have made such a difference in the world. We've met with leaders and change makers in the foster care system. We've met with charities and philanthropists, celebrities, authors, and so much more. We'll continue to bring you guests who will share how together, as a community, We can bring about change. Welcome once again to Fostering Change. Well, you know, it's so hard to believe that as we have gone through the year, there's so many amazing things that we can talk about when it comes to adoption and foster care. You know, when I first started this podcast three seasons ago, I was kind of concerned that I wasn't going to be able to have enough content to go season after season. And now we're in season three, and I am so excited about my next guest. You know, I was actually telling David, our producer, that it's so great when you get to interview someone who you consider your friend. My friend Marcy has done so many amazing things. And by the way, um, there are things that I didn't realize she did that we're going to all talk about. But ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Marcy Bursack. Marcy, welcome to Fostering Change.
1: Thank you. And hello, everyone. I'm so thrilled to be here. It's nice to finally like talk with the camera on to one another. It's such a treat.
0: Yeah, so we started this last season where people wanted to see our guest. And I'm an animated person as it is, so they wanted to definitely see um, us. So we do have a YouTube channel that um, we actually air this. Again, everybody can listen to it on all those podcast platforms, but I love the fact that I get to see you, and they get to see you, and we get to talk. Listen, I want to dive right in. Um, the Forgotten Adoption Option. You know, this book... I actually read this book. Um, it's an easy read, everybody, by the way, just to let you know, it's an easy read. But what an education tool that I think people need to know about. Because when Reese and I decided to adopt and start the, the journey, I should say, we had no knowledge whatsoever. We did not know anything when it came to adopting through foster care, and you actually gave this a manual. So what made you decide to write this?
1: Well, and it's interesting. So if people like to read, they can read. I actually have it in an audiobook format. So anywhere, whether it's your library or Apple or whoever you listen to audiobooks on, uh, even on Audible, it's a 90 minutes. So I've had many people that are like, Marcy, just sat down for the afternoon. But what happened is in the midst of the pandemic, for whatever reason, I became keenly aware of marketing all around me, because I guess we all were kind of like only on our screens, right? There wasn't like really real life happening in an old way. And I started getting really frustrated that I wasn't seeing marketing for the children that were like mine, that were like yours, that were waiting to be adopted. And I just kind of was like shaking my fist, like, ah, someone should do something about this. It's such a missed opportunity. And after, I guess, a couple of weeks of that, that spun into maybe I should do something. And so I had been having conversations, Rob, and maybe this has happened to you, as someone that adopted through foster care, um, my husband and I were told it was a four-month process once our kids were with us. At month nine, it was going nowhere, and there was no end in sight. And I thought, well, why on earth did I elect to adopt? I could have done this biologically and had a very different outcome at nine months, potentially, Right. And so at that time, we had blogged what we were going through as a way to be like, maybe this is why it's supposed to take forever. And so we had two ground rules, no bad talking to bio family, and we're not going to disclose why our kids were in care. We felt like those weren't details that were fair for us to be the ones to communicate, right? And so in the process, we had a lot of interest and friends and family and people that we didn't know would reach out and say, hey, since I know you did this, can you teach me how? So pre-pandemic, you'd come in my home for an hour or two. I'd spill the whole thing. It felt like I was barfing 54 steps. Like, okay, follow this whole instruction guide, right? But Rob, time and time and time again, people left my home and they went and did it. And so it was like, they just didn't know how. And so during the pandemic, I thought, well, I can't, I, I had a few of those visits, but they were virtual like this again. But I was like, how do I scale this? There are way more kids to help that like it's 115,000 right now right and so i decided to give myself the goal of writing it in a month cuz i had kind of started 2 years prior and never finished and 25 days later i had the manuscript and then what was really wonderful about it is i had a new neighbor move in and as we got acquainted i explained i adopted my kids through foster care i'm very open about that cuz i think that's a great way to recruit others to learn about it and tell their friends right and she said well i'd love to learn how to do that can you can you teach me and i said you can be one of my editors. And so I got to write it to someone that had no idea any of the system and and the vocabulary. And so that's kind of how it became what it is. And what's cool, Rob, is now I've had families, whether they're motivated by infertility or this is what they wanted to do, whatever the story has been that's kind of led them to foster care adoption. I I had um, a couple, I love this. They're almost licensed. They're about to get matched with their children. And they said, Marcy, did you know that we've been having dinner together for the past month? And I was like, no, I I didn't know that we've been having dinner together. And they said, your book has been sitting on our table. And so every night at dinner, as we've gone through class, as we've gone through our assignments to get licensed, we flip through the book because you told us exactly what to do. We told us what was next. You told us what was going to happen. And they were like, we've just had this companion with us this whole time to help us know what to do because Rob, you've been through this. it's, It's hard to know what's next, and it's not really a written formula, but I kind of sifted that out and made it into something that you could rinse and repeat.
0: Yeah, I definitely will have to tell you, Marcy. I was on I'm pretty impressed with you know how you did lay it out step by step. Well, wow. um, how long ago did you and your husband start the process with your children?
1: The short answer is, my daughter is ten, almost eleven, and we got licensed, or I should say, we met each other when she was almost three, so about seven years ago. Years. However. To me, I think, Rob, what really has motivated even like, why do I care about this space? Why do I care about sharing the how? Well, one, there's more children than I could possibly ever adopt. But two, when my husband and I got married, even before we got married, we talked about family expansion. And I said, hey, it might be a deal breaker. I really want to adopt. I've I've gone overseas. I've seen orphanages. And he said, I do too. My grandfather at age seven was orphaned it and never got adopted and so we shared this commonality and he said I have one request and that's that the children be from the United States and I was like I have no idea how to do this because our heart was to get non-babies like to get older kids so Rob really for me it was well I I didn't we took us five years to figure out like where do you even how how do you even do that right right? like where do you start it and then to find out that the cost of it is really affordable it's zero to $2,500 a kid where most people think I could never adopt. It's so expensive. Well, some methods like international and infant adoption are tens of thousands of dollars, but foster care adoption is highly affordable.
0: So, you know, I have to like, um, throw the first wrench into the, um, conversation because that was not our experience. Um, for my husband and I, 13 years ago, when we decided to be parents, um, we wanted to adopt, I wanted to adopt overseas, by the way, as a, kid who grew up in the foster care system. I did not want, as I would say to my husband, one of those kids. My husband reminded me that I was one of those kids. And um, he's really smart, by the way, compared to me. And so um, we ended up having our first two children arrive. And three months later, we had two more children arrive. But it ended up costing us a little over $65,000 to adopt our children. I'm very open about it in our book. Um, And that was because we were too... White gay men trying to adopt four children of color, and what I love is that I'm talking to people who now are experiencing what my husband and I experienced, and that's not the way it is any longer. So I'm so happy to see that you are right where it's that zero to twenty five. But I want people to know, as you've read my book, a forever family, that you know it wasn't like that for us. And and I do have to say something. I want to back up because something that you said that if I regret doing and I have said this in public form. You know, I did write a memoir. Um, I told my children as I was writing my memoir and my publishers and stuff were, you know, we were writing it. I did talk about my children, about their experience and how they came in. And, and now that my kids are in that teenage year, um, not that any of them have said, you know, dad, I wish you wouldn't have shared that part of my life. I do feel a little guilt. So I love that you said, you know, keep the, keep, keep, how they came into the system out of, you know, the way you talk about it. I love sure. that. But
1: Rob, so much of parenting is trial and error, right? Like, we, we don't know. I mean, to put my children, they're on the back of my book. It's a family photo. I, I asked them in advance. They were very young when that came, because their, their peer group at school didn't know. They were adopted before they entered the grade school system. And what I love is my son, who's a very compassionate child, just looked at me and said, Mom, if I, if I say it's okay to put my face on the back do you think that somebody might adopt a child because they'll see me? And I was like, yeah, because when it's, when you can see someone else do it, it normalizes it. Right. He was like, well, then by all means, I want my photo on the back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what my kids were like too, by the way. So when, when their chapter was being written, we set them down and we talked to them about it. And my kids were exactly like your son. They were like, if it's going to help one child, one child get adopted then you know what it's worth us telling our story you know you're part of the dave thomas foundation and rita is a friend of mine and i love the fact that you're one of the ambassadors there and by the way way to go mrs ohio Miss, <laughs> you know miss Amer- when the heck do you find time for all this you're also miss america um, Mrs. Ohio from the, Amer- well, sort
1: of. So I'm okay. This gets a little, the pageantry system has all sorts of flavors. So my okay. technical title is United States of America's Mrs. Ohio. So it's a different system, but yeah, I, I am a, an ambassador for the Dave Thomas foundation for adoption. My work with the foundation was like 2014. My husband and I are trying to figure out, okay, we're going through licensing classes. How are we getting time off of work to do this? Like, are we going to have to exhaust the the pay time off they already gave us, what are we supposed to do? And we Googled at the time and found Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption had templates that we could customize and present to our employer. Hi, I'd like to have some support here. I'd like to have time off, maybe some money, depending upon how things unfolded. So it was kind of a natural progression when I wrote the forgotten adoption option in my, my one month of focus. One of my goals was, okay, if I'm gonna do this the way that could be a big, scary goal, what would I wanna do? And I I put the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption high on, I wanna talk to them about an endorsement. And so Rita was very excited to provide that and very supportive at the time. It was very out of the box. I know that like this random mom who adopted kids wanting to do this is, is different. But then what happened last summer, Rob, I, I did not grow up doing pageantry. I have worked in like the nonprofit arena for Dress for Success. So I, I've spent time in like that space, not, not in get dressed up, wear swimsuit and heels. Like that's not, that's not my DNA. But what happened last summer, Rob, is I was on the brink of leaving for vacation and again, like my, my frustration of like, why isn't someone doing this? Is I was like, okay, now that I've got this book and this wonderful way to help teach people is a, you know, all across the nation, I can, I, this can go everywhere and it has, which is amazing. But how do I change the perception? And you, you said it earlier, like, I don't want one of those kids, right? And I'm like, there's the, some, you know, there's a little bit of truth to that in some ways. There, there are some behavioral things. The research shows that. The research shows adoption is full of that. Like that's just part of what happens. But I wanted to figure out a way to kind of rebrand what a foster child is. Like how how do we help give these children the dignity and the respect that they deserve and the potential that if you were I, and you were one of them, like, but if I was one of these children, I would want people to look at me with potential and not you know, write me off. And so it it was at that point that I just felt like I was supposed to look into the pageant system, which is super wild. Um, And then I asked the Dave Thomas Foundation for adoption. I said, look, I know I live in Missouri, you're in Ohio, I have this opportunity. And they said, Marcy, do they understand you don't, like, you don't live here. And I was like, oh, I'm very aware. And I've I've told my friends and family, I thought they'd call me crazy. No one did. They're all very, very supportive. And Rob, surprisingly, the foundation told me no one has ever done this before, which I think is such an incredible opportunity of, like, how do you take a message to a positive light, Right. So I've really enjoyed that that journey and being able to partner in even deeper ways because we've been doing stuff since 2014. So we're just doing like another way to spread the the work is the data, I don't know if you know this, the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption had a research study come out this year from Harris Poll. And one of the key takeaways that I find really um, much an opportunity is that it showed only about 50% of adults are even aware that there's a need to adopt children from foster care. And, And from what I've been doing in the community and around the nation, I think part of what, is a challenge to that, is that people think of foster child through one lens, and they think, oh, these are kids that need a temporary place to go, and they're going to move back with their biological family. And that's where the forgotten adoption option falls in, because there's a second definition, right? There's the, I'm a child, I'm in a foster home, because legally, the state is my parent, and I need someone to adopt me, or I'm going to age out. And I think that's where there's a huge opportunity, is to help inform our nation that, like, there are kids that need us.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I'm so lucky Rita was just on my podcast, um, for, I think the second time she's such a good friend of mine and I wow. absolutely love her. And we're actually honoring her this October at our backyard barbecue. She's receiving the Barbara Harrison Award because she's such she's so driven and she's just so passionate and you know and and you are right marcy i mean the the biggest thing that i've noticed and and i'm like you i didn't come from the nonprofit world i'm a dot-com guy who you know all of a sudden find out that you know wait a minute you know what's going on here when it comes to kids in foster care first thing i have to tell you and i say this to all my guests i think the biggest issue that we have is that we have to change the vocabulary. Um, the problem is, is when I say the word foster and I say the word foster child, the first thing that someone thinks of is bad. They think that a child's been put in a situation of something they did, you know, um, drugs, they think. And so what we've tried to do is try to change the narrative where we call these children who are in foster care, because when you say the word child, your heart warms up a little bit. And so, um, but I will tell you, I have some really young, um, miss, Teens and miss you know Shenandoah Valley and all this, and they are starting to take the platform of our organization cover cases and the platform of, of of foster care in general. Because um, I'll tell you right now, the way this is going to change is children helping children. Okay. And and doing what you and I are doing. Listen, I want to take a quick break because there are some things I've highlighted in the book that I want you and I to talk about. And um, it's things that my guests know that I love to talk about because I think we all need to really understand when it comes to foster care. But before we take that quick break, I have to say, Marcy, Little Bird was one of my favorite books as a kid. Okay. And you talk about little bird, you know, about that, or who's my mother? My um, mother, yeah. Yeah, my you are little my
1: little bird. Yeah. And,
0: and I can, I literally in my mind can etch because growing up in the system, you know, wanting that mom figure so bad. I can, I, so, you know, that, that to me, I will never forget that. Listen, everybody, we're going to be right back. We're going to continue this amazing conversation. The book is The Forgotten Adoption option. Listen, I've had so many of you reach out to me and you ask me questions about foster care, adoption through foster care. You know that, you know, I just had an email just the other day. This is it, guys. I'm telling you, the forgotten adoption option, it is literally going to answer all the questions that you're going to need. And if you cannot find the answer, she gives you the resources where you can find them. We'll be right back. So you know, everybody, I talk about this quite often. Um, Seeing the expansion that we have at Comfort Cases, and to now know that we have a Comfort Cases UK team, I could not be more grateful. But what I'm so excited about is that on May the 24th, my family will be boarding a plane and heading to the UK for a really big event. So I have my friend Sarah, who is actually also the CEO and the founder of Comfort Cases UK, right here with me today. So Sarah, tell us about what's going on when I get there. Oh my gosh, we are so excited to have you come to the
1: UK. I cannot tell you, we are just so looking forward to meeting you and all your family. And we have got a huge event taking place on the 26th of May. Um, We are introducing comfort cases to our community, to our network, and we are so excited to invite you to talk as our keynote speaker. Um, and we will be doing some fundraising on the evening but most importantly is to spread the message of how important the work that Comfort Cases UK is trying to do and to continue all the good work that you've already been doing over there in the US and uh, things are happening really fast here and we just cannot wait for you to share it with us.
0: Well, I will tell you, I'm really, really excited. So listen, everybody, for those who are listening to our podcast or actually you're watching it on YouTube, I want you all to do me one big favor. I want you to go to ComfortCasesUK.org and donate. That's exactly right. What you would have donated to Comfort Cases, you know, here, I want you to go donate to ComfortCasesUK.org. We truly need to make people understand whether there's a pond that is separating us, we are all one community. So Sarah, I'm excited to come to the UK, sending lots of love and please comfortcasesuk.org. So, you know, again, there's nothing I love more than a great conversation. And I remind each and every one of us that how we make a change within our community and our community of children in foster care is doing what my friend Marcy and I are doing today. And that's to talk about it. You know, the fact that our friend Rita had actually done um, with the Dave Thomas Foundation, they had done this research and finding out that, you know, 50% of people don't even realize that children in care actually need permanent placement. You know, when Alex arrived in our home at the age of 18, Marcy, one of the things I remember saying to the court systems is that, you know, somebody asked me, why would I take a child in at the age of 18? And I reminded this person that every single child deserves a foundation. Every single child deserves to know that they are loved. And every single child deserves a forever family, you know?
1: Because life doesn't end at 18, right? There's all these milestones in just life, like 18 to what, 80? Somewhere in there. There's a lot of life there.
0: Let me tell you something. My son is now 21 years old and I, he will be the first one to say, I can't imagine my life without my pops and my data. And so, you know, listen, I want to jump right into the book because there was one particular thing that you put in the book that I will have to tell you gave me a little thorn in my side. I'm going to bring it up. I, you know, I love to, I love to disagree to agree because we all Perfect. see something differently. So when I was a young kid in the system, Um, their respite was back in those days as well, by the way, respite's been around forever. And when my children arrived from the system, we had respite and, um, we were always asked to use respite. And I, the more research I did, I remember what it felt like to be a little kid. So I want to put you into a situation and not ever growing in the system and not, I can't imagine you and your husband actually used respite. But, you know, I used to, the bio family would want to go on vacation and they would take me and drop me off at the respite house. Or, you know, and I hear this from kids all over the country, I meet kids everywhere. And one of the things that hurt their heart so much is respite. Because all of a sudden they've been put into this family who they think is their family. And then all of a sudden they find out that they're going on vacation and because our courts are so antiquated, and we can't take kids past 50 miles and we can't, they all of a sudden go to another stranger's house I don't think respite should happen.
1: So I never said respite should happen. I just showcased that it's a possibility. That (laughs) you
0: didn't, by the way. I have to give her credit, everybody. She did not. When you read this, she never, she was just educating us about it. You were educating. I want to know how you feel about it.
1: Well, so what's interesting is I became aware of respite because my husband and I, so just in case people are joining and they're like, Rob, I don't have any idea what we're talking about. So real quick. Respite, respite is meant to give family that's fostering children, children in foster care, uh, one to 14 overnight kind of ability for them to have a break, right? By being with a different family that's licensed through respite, a respite provider. And what happened was when my husband and I were nearing the licensing process to adopt through foster care, our licensing worker said, hey, um, I know like you've nannied a lot and I know your husband's a, an elementary school teacher. So clearly you have a lot of experience with kids. But on paper, you don't have children. So we need you to get some parenting experience. So it was pitched to us as, please go do this. So that on paper, we can say you did this. But we got really, really lucky. And we ended up, uh, we, we had two different um, times, or actually three different times, two different families. There were, there were two boys that we helped one time, a four and an eight year old, and then a young man that was five. Um, and we were a respite provider. But again coming from like the space of having nanny and in my book I even share all the questions we ask like we want it to be as repeatable to the process so kind of back to your point Rob of like this can be a traumatic and unpositive experience I think the reality is if you kind of zoom out of that I mean in general any of us can grow up in kind of a healthy and positive or an unhealthy and not positive you know so it's kind of the full granny, granny it's there Um, And I'm sorry for your experience. I like to think, I mean, the the boys that we cared for, the one gentleman that was five, he was in that process of getting adopted by a relative across state lines. So he couldn't go. Um, And we loved it. Although my husband at that point was like, since we've only been respiting for one child, I think we should adopt one. I was like, no, 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 no. We're doing siblings. Like, that is clear. If you're going to do up to two, we're doing them together. And the two boys that we did respite for, we've actually... We, we took them to church with us that weekend and we learned as they walked into the kids classroom that the teacher there was a preschool teacher like at their school like she knew them like she called them by name and we were like what so we ended up like having this beautiful connection that woman ended up becoming one of my mentors she also fosters; she's a single mom so we've had really positive relationships the family that had the two boys ended up adopting them we've been in each other's lives so I had a very yeah, different flavor. Those are, all, those,
0: are the, those are the stories I want to hear those are the stories I want our listeners to hear because I have not had really nice things to say about respite once people say things based on the experience that they have gone through sure. right? and sure. they also say things based on the fact of people that you meet and, and the children that I've met and you know I remember when my kids were little and the adoption process had not happened yet. And we wanted to take our kids to Disney World. And immediately the birth parents said no. And and even though we knew they weren't getting their children back, um, because we were so far into the process, um, you know, we had to go in front of a judge. And the judge, we had to get a judge to um, place the order to allow our children to go to Disney World. And now as adult, you know, older, 13 years has passed. I understand the reason why they said no. You know, I truly understand the reason why they say no. And and what would have happened to us, we just wouldn't have gone to Disney World, by Sure. It's
1: a process, but I will say real quick, one more note on respite and and to your point, because you're like, I would think you didn't use that. Well, I I didn't use respite. I think in in the terms of, I didn't just go to random person to take care of my children. There was a point where my husband and I wanted to take an anniversary trip just across state. And we wanted someone to care for our kids. But when, when your kids are technically in the state's custody still, you can't just leave them with a relative. And so I recruited my dad who kindly underwent the training Uh, It was all online. So he became a respite provider. But I'll tell you, Rob, I mean, I remember being on the phone with my dad during that trip for like a solid hour where he was just the behaviors. It was very different than anything he had ever been exposed to
0: right no let me tell you something we um actually did the same sec thing you did um and so i did i did not consider that respite i considered that you know um just like so many other families where you know and for our case Mima and papa came in and and to give you know cuz Got to understand. We had four kids under the age of four within three months. And what I find kind of humorous is that you made the comment about how they wanted you to do it because you didn't have any parenting experience. Could you imagine my husband and I? I mean, here we are, two gay men living in D.C. in the city. And, you know, I... Changing a diaper wasn't even something I even thought about, and and all of a sudden, the next thing you know, we have four kids, and you know, yeah, people it,
1: become parents every day without any of the training, like exactly. It works.
0: It's okay. <laughs> Exactly. And you know, I, I'm, go- I love the fact that you brought up with your, your, your kids were with your dad about how your dad was on the phone because of, of behaviors. And you know, um, I'm 55 and there are still times that something will trigger me from what I experienced as a kid that was in the system and understanding that trauma can hit a child at any time. You know, I want to jump back into the book for a second because one of the things that I absolutely loved is that you did a lot of definition. Um, for different things, whether it was the parent, you know, whether it was the child, um, you really, you know, made this as granular as possible for the things that for me as an adoptive parent that I was thinking about. And I want to tell you, when I read this book, I said this to you earlier, there was nothing like this when when I was a kid growing up and there was nothing like this when my husband and I decided to have children. And this would have opened our eyes in so many things. But since you are so deep within the system and knowing the system, I wanna ask you, um, there is something that's happening quite a bit as we see children who are being adopted out of foster care and it's reactive attachment disorder. It's um, always been around, but it's been very, very prevalent um in the last three to four years. Um, How have you worried about that with your children?
1: So yeah, so reactive attachment disorder, in case folks aren't familiar, it's also called rad. So it almost sounds like a color red, but it's not. Um, You know, my husband and I knew we wanted to adopt older children. So we actually didn't, we did it in addition to the typical licensing process, we did like, I think they call it elevated needs. So we got additional training on it at our state, they called it an invisible suitcase. And that is that a child and sort of like to cover cases point, it's invisible. It's not just as two cases, it's invisible that children bring with them, right? These, these things they've gone through. And to your point, it can trigger at any age, right? My, my children have certainly gone through different behavior issues. Has that sometimes been some attachment and reactive attachment? Absolutely. Uh, my kids at the time when we adopt them, that adopted them, well, we met at age three and four and then adopted a calendar year later. So at four and five, and it's been really interesting, Rob um and as a family we tell this all the time is just this stark difference that the two of them had my daughter went into care at six months old so she doesn't really remember stability ever and doesn't really remember a lot of the details about what she was around whereas my son remembers going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and to him and and putting words to it as he's getting older right that he always thought he was gonna go back because that's what he thought that was a kid you know you think as a kid and so I think for him, some of those issues have been stronger because he just had this strong desire that he was going this way instead of that way. And I think it's hard, Rob. I mean, I, I, again, I didn't grow up in the foster care system, but one of my intentions with my book is really to help people understand the perspective of these kids. And I and I call it a lot of really big words that are terms for fears and just different things we're thinking that we might not put words to, right? And I think so much of that is is even going with reactive attachment disorder, understanding why is this happening? This isn't my kid hating me. This isn't my kid doesn't want to be grateful or adopted. I mean, so many people are like, aren't your kids grateful? And it's like, that's not, we don't go into this for our kids to be like, thank you so much. Like, that's just a kid, right? But it certainly is part of the story. I mean, I think I, for one, would be mad at times that I was adopted. I think I would be mad to not have choice in that. And I would be angry at the choices people made that impacted me, right? And so I I understand and I empathize with it. Uh, is it real? It is absolutely real. But I think unpacking it and fostering really good, open conversation over our lifetimes to talk through those things and get the professional help, whether it's through a psychologist or psychiatrist, you know, play there. But all those things we've utilized for sure um, has been really helpful just in unpacking the reality of what it is to be adopted from foster care.
0: Yeah. And I will tell you, you know, I love my therapist. I see him every Monday and um, he's got helped me get through a lot. And like my children who all have also, and I do have a son who suffers from rad and um, it did come out at a later stage. And it's so, it's so t- interesting. You're the first um, adopted foster parent I've met who actually had the same experience I did where I had two, I had a sibling group, six months old, um, you know, well, three months old, the, the youngest one came in, but my my other son, he remembers the being the boomerang kid um, and how different the two of them are. I totally get that. Listen, everybody, the book is the forgotten adoption option, okay? You have options. Each and every one of us have an option of how we build our family, Okay, we truly do. And we need to know that 115,000, 115,000, just sink that in, that are children who are waiting for a forever family. So for those of you who have called me and said, well, I'm worried about the bio parents coming and yanking the kid back after I adopted them. No, listen, listen, you have options. Okay, you have options with this book. Marcy, you have another book that's out. Um, which my husband and I are so honored to be in. Um, um, when it, it is like, it's so crazy. You know, look at this. This is, I- it, you guys adorable? <laughs> this is the greatest picture. I love that my husband has had it printed out and he's having it framed. And we are just so hard to say that you and I are family when it comes to this. Because I do believe that when you become a foster parent or you adopt through foster care, you do, you know, enlarge your family and you should take advantage of those. Listen everybody, um again, the forgotten adoption option. Um we'll have the link on our Facebook page on all of our social media platforms. I want you to get educated about this, but don't worry. Marcy will be back in November because we are truly going to talk about her, her new children's book because truly what I said to Alex and I say to my kids and I say to everybody every child deserves a forever family until next time we'll talk again
1: hi everyone
0: i want to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening or watching the latest episode of fostering change all of us on our team hope that you've learned something new today and have been inspired to be a good human Now, just a reminder that you can always find Fostering Change on your favorite channels on Google, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and others including, of course, ComfortCases.org. I want to give a big thank you to all of you for joining us each and every week. And a reminder that if you have a suggestion for a guest or maybe you might have a question about today's podcast or are interested in becoming a sponsor of Fostering Change, please don't hesitate to email me personally at fosteringchange@comfortcases.org. Now, that's it for now. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care.